I love the study of the Gospels. They're um, such a, a change of pace every week, something new, something different. And uh, this morning, our title of our sermon is this, No Matter What, Pray. No Matter What, Pray. I read a study this past week that says that there are more people who believe in prayer than there are who believe in God. Kind of weird, huh? But we do uh, believe that the Lord hears prayer and answers it according to His purposes and according to His will. We're going to take a look at a story this morning that is uh, a remarkable story, and uh, I hope you... um, I hope you enjoy it as well. So Luke chapter 18, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The Lord Jesus is speaking and it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, "There There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? This is a parable about prayer. It is meant to teach us to pray and to keep on praying no matter what. Pray no matter what. Oftentimes when we read a parable, we have to wait till the conclusion before we understand what the parable is about. But the Lord doesn't do that here. He tells us right up front what he's talking about. So take a look back at uh, verse 1, and this is the point of this parable. He spoke to them a parable that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. That's the point of the parable, to pray. How often should we pray? Always. That's what it says. Always. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says this, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And he says here in this verse in Luke 18, 1, Do not lose heart. Why does the Lord say that? Why does the Lord say about our prayers, don't lose heart? Because that's our tendency. (laughs) That's why he says it. Our tendency is to simply give up praying. Isn't that? That we have some request, some need in our lives, some issue that's happening, some persecution or some trial in our life, and we pray immediately for it. And then it just kind of drags on longer than we expected. And so we do the unthinkable, and that's we give up on God. We give up praying. We give up asking. We give up seeking. We give up knocking. 
And yet the Lord says, ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. We lose heart. We grow weary. We throw in the towel. We quit. We say, Lord, I'm not even going to ask anymore. I've asked once. I've asked twice. I even asked three times. And you didn't answer the way I thought you would. And so we quit. And I don't think we have to look very much further than our Wednesday night prayer meeting to see that we quit. We quit. And as I see attendance dwindling, it's, this isn't a meeting about making you feel guilty about coming into the prayer meeting. Okay, That's not the point. But I think it shows what's in our heart when we say, well, I, I really don't need that. You don't need what? You don't need God to answer your prayers? You don't need God to change things in your life? You don't need God for your health, for your well-being? You don't need God for your financial uh, needs? You don't need God for what? We don't need prayer? Yeah, we do. I do. First one in line here. God is in the business of hearing and answering our prayers. And we should pray. You know what? It goes beyond that. We should not only pray, but we shouldn't quit praying until we get the answer that we're looking for. That's really what he's saying here. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. Keep at it, always. There was a... uh, uh, at a church on the, uh, in Chicago, it's a very large church, and they had a baptism, uh, baptismal service one day, and uh, the church, one of the church leaders met a lady on the staircase, it's a multi-story building, and she was on the staircase and she was crying. And he thought, why is she crying? We just had a joyous occasion here, a wonderful service, people were baptized, and he said to her, why are you crying? And she says, well, she said, I, I just um, want to tell you, she said, my mom was baptized today. And he says, you're crying? And she says, yeah. He goes, why? He says, because I prayed for her for 20 years, almost 20 years. And he said, and she said, the thing that makes me cry is I almost gave up. She said, you know, I prayed for five, the first five years, and I, I got to the point where I said, Lord, aren't you hearing my mom needs, your, needs you. She needs to be saved. And she says, I almost gave up. And she says, but no, I, I kept praying. And at the 10-year mark, she said, Lord, am I wasting my breath? And at the 15-year mark, she says, this is just absurd. And she said, I almost gave up. And she said it was 19 years and eight months. <laughs> and she got saved. She said, even with weak faith, I kept praying. And she gave her life to Christ and was baptized this morning. She says, I will never doubt the power of prayer again. Some of you have been praying for a very, very long time for family members, for friends, for relatives that you have. Um, We have a sister here in this assembly who we can count on. Her prayer requests will be for her family every single week. And if she's not here praying, we all remember that she wants those family members prayed for. That's persistence. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Well, there are certain characters in this parable. There's a widow. There's an unnamed adversary. And there's an unjust judge. Those are the three characters in this parable. 
So first of all, we learn in verse 2 about the judge. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, having to stand before a judge like this? Here's a guy who has no moral compass himself. He doesn't fear God, and that's scary when, I, when you stop to think about it. Here's a guy who's in a place of judgment, and he has no fear that God is going to hold him accountable for his judgment. He is not afraid that one day he's going to stand before God as his judge, and he's going to have to give an account of his judgment. He's not, he doesn't fear God. And so his judgment is suspect right from the beginning. The second thing it says about him, that he doesn't care for people. Wow! Why would you be a judge? Why would you be in a position where you have to determine the outcome of people's lives and the fairness of uh, the justice system for that person and have no compassion and no care for people? I can't even imagine that. But that's the case with this judge. Well, the Lord says even more about him in verse 6. Look, look at what he says. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. The guy is not only uh, has no, no uh, fear, for, fear of God and no concern for people, but he's unjust. That means that he does not follow the law. He does not uh, have the law rule over him in his judgment. He's unjust. He's unfair. He's unrighteous. That's the kind of judge that this woman is standing before. Wow. Talk about uh, strikes against you. And there's a woman. She's the other character here. She's a widow. And so the Lord is painting a picture for us. Here in Israel at this time, um, widows were kind of the, got, got the uh, raw end of the deal. Um, any kind of uh, property, any kind of possessions that they had, they were theirs under their husband's um, uh, rule, basically. And the, if, if the husband died, she was left in a situation where somebody else would have to come along, a kinsman, somebody who was near to her, and to redeem her uh, and her property and so on. And so this, we don't know what the problem was in this case. It doesn't, the Lord doesn't tell us. But he says that she has some kind of a just cause Somebody is against her, and it's an adversary. Somebody is trying to take advantage of her in some way, and so she's bringing her cause before this judge. It could be that she was about to lose her house. But whatever it was, she was suffering some terrible injustice, and she has nowhere else to turn but to this judge, the unjust judge, the judge that doesn't fear God and doesn't care for people. She couldn't appeal to him on the basis of justice. Look, Your Honor, you know what the law says. And you could hear him thinking in his heart, I don't care about the law. I have no care about the law. Your Honor, I'm a widow. I'm in need. I'm in poverty. I don't care about you either. That was his heart. And so she couldn't appeal to him on the basis of justice or equity or righteousness or fairness, and she couldn't move his cold, steely heart uh, on the basis of compassion. But in, in either case, she still approaches the bench, and she appeals her case before this judge, and the judge doesn't even want to hear her case. That's what it says. 
And she, it says he would not give her justice. He would not for a while. What was troubling her? Maybe she was going to lose her house or her land. Maybe she was in debt because her um, uh, dead husband was the breadwinner at home and she was left now holding the entire weight and responsibility of paying the mortgage and paying for food and paying for her college uh, kids and all the rest of it. Whatever the case was, she could have been uh, in serious, serious debt. She could no longer afford to pay her bills. Maybe she was a businesswoman herself. And maybe she had sold goods uh, or services to somebody in town and they had not paid the bill. Whatever the case was, she was being taken advantage of. And she uh, had a right to, for justice and fairness. And so she turns to the one person she can for help, and he's the unjust judge. It's likely that this widow had no money for lawyers. She couldn't call up, you know, legal services and say, hey, look, you need to help me out here because, uh, you know, I've got a just case and the lawyers take, you know, 90% of the, the fee and she's left with 10%. She couldn't even afford their fees. And she's probably at the end of her resources, but she makes her plea anyway. And she says to the judge, grant me justice against my adversary. Doesn't listen. And so she comes again. Avenge me of mine adversary. And he does nothing. And again, prove me right or vindicate me in this circumstance. Won't listen to her. And again she comes. Support me. Defend my cause. Those are all the things that she would be saying. I need help and I need help now. La, 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 la. That's the judge. He doesn't care. Unmoved. But you know the, the thing about this woman that I like and that the Lord Jesus likes? She was persistent. She was persistent in coming back again and again and again and again and again. And I can just see the judge sitting uh, behind his um, desk there in the courtroom and he sees the doors open, and there she is again. He goes, oh, no, here she is again. And then again the next day, and oh, there she is again. And he knows what she's going to say. She's persistent. Actually, she's more than persistent. She's downright pesky. And she comes and she pleads her case again and again and again and again and again and again and again. You're tired of hearing me say again, right? Okay, imagine hearing this woman asking for justice over and over again like that. I like the wording in the New Living Translation of this section. It says, The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. <laughs> One thing we can be sure about uh, this woman, she will not take no for an answer. And she was in his face until he granted her her request. I love it. Man, that's, that's tenacity. That's persistence. And that's the point of the parable. Jesus is driving home this point by saying in Luke uh, 18, verses 6 through 8, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. What did the unjust judge said? I am going to give her justice. Why? Because of her persistence. She's wearing me out. 
Hear what the unjust judge said, the Lord said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Well, the parable is told to encourage us to pray, to pray, and to be persistent in our prayers uh, to the Lord. She persisted, and she got what she asked for. Let me say this to you. Are you weaker than this widow? I don't think so. Are you facing odds bigger than the odds that she faced? I don't think so. Are you coming to an unjust judge? I know you're not. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. John, 1 John 2, 1 says, And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is at the right hand of God, who ever lives to make intercession for us. And so here's the picture that the Bible portrays of us coming to God. If you're a believer this morning, you have an advocate. Do you know what an advocate is? It's a lawyer. She didn't. You have a lawyer. Guess who the lawyer is? The most righteous person who has ever lived on the face of the earth. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And guess what he's doing? He's your advocate, and he's standing before the bench in heaven. And he is pleading your cause before God the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Can you imagine the conversation that must take place in heaven? When we come to the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, avenge me of mine adversary. Help me in this situation. Lord, I am in need. Help me. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, okay, I'll take up your case. I'll take up your cause before the Father. And he pleads before the Father, our case, our cause. Why should the Father listen to him? Because in his body, he bears the marks of our sins forgiven. In his hands, in his feet, in his side. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who ever lives to make intercession for us. We have a lawyer and a righteous one at that. With everything and everyone against her, the widow persisted, and she got what was hers by right. The, the point of this passage is this. The Lord Jesus is contrasting what she faced with what we face. We are not coming before an unjust judge. God is not unjust. And I think that is the point. But you know what? I think oftentimes as we think about prayer and we think about our requests and, and coming to the Lord in prayer, we often think wrong thoughts about God, don't we? Somehow God doesn't care about our needs. Somehow God doesn't care about my situation. Somehow God has forgotten me. Somehow God doesn't seem to understand what I'm really going through. Is that true? Of course not. We are coming before the only one who cares for you. Oh, I care for you. But, but in I, when I compare my care for you with the care that God has for you, my care is nothing in comparison. God cares for you. That's why the scripture says that we are to cast all our care upon him. Because he cares 
for us. And so the point is this, how much more can we expect God to answer us and answer and intervene on our behalf? How much more will God bring justice in your case? How much more will he give to you since you are his beloved children? How much more will he avenge those who come to him in believing prayer? But the question for us isn't what God will do. The question is, will we come to him in persistent believing prayer? And that's why he asks the question, when he returns, will he really find faith in the earth? What will he find us doing? Lord, I've, I've just rejected you. I've rejected faith in you. I've rejected believing you. I've rejected praying to you because, because why? Because he cares for you? Doesn't make a lot of sense. I think one of the reasons that we aren't persistent in asking like this widow um, is because there are hindrances to prayer. Do you know what one of the chief hindrances to prayer is? Worry. Worry. Now, I know none of you have ever worried. I've been terrorized by, you know, you talk about terrorists today. And, uh, you know, coming in and, and uh, disrupting a city or disrupting a home. Uh, I think, Charlie, you read uh, about some terrorists in Mexico today. You know, uh, Tom and Sandy were saved by the Lord, and so were people in their neighborhood uh, from the gunmen and all the rest of it. Terror, fear, worry, all of those things that come into our heart when circumstances uh, are disrupted in our lives and when we have needs or when we have uh, difficult situations. We often just go, oh, look at this situation. It's overwhelming for me. And we are so focused on the situation and we forget God. It's one of the greatest hindrances to prayer. Instead, what we should do is, okay, so I'm in a trial again. So I have a bad circumstance in my life again. I need the Lord. Man, I need the Lord. Do you need the Lord? I do. I do. And so I want to just say this. Don't worry when you can pray. Worry um, doubts the goodness of God. It doubts the care of God. And it doubts the power of God, that God is able to overcome whatever the circumstance is in your life. Some of us have gone through great trials in our life, trials concerning our health, trials concerning our finances, trials concerning our children, trials concerning our spouse or our schooling, our jobs, our future. But, you know, the one thing we don't see about this widow, something that's missing. When you study the scripture, look for what's there and look for what's not there. And one of the things that I noticed that is not in this story is that I don't see the widow wringing her hands in worry. I don't see that. And it tells me something, that she was determined to get her answer no matter what. And that's why I said at the beginning of the, of the message that when it comes to prayer, we need to pray no matter what. Pray no matter what. Casting all our care upon him because he cares for us. Let me say this to you. God's character hasn't changed. He still cares for you. Did he care enough about you when you were um, in your sin 
and you weren't saved? Did he care enough about you uh, to save your soul? Yeah, he did. You know that same care that he took in going to the cross and paying for your sins in full? That's the same care that he has for you now. It's the same care. Love that bleeds. Love that gives. Love that lets nothing stand in the way of his love uh, for you. The Bible says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. And he, uh, Paul ransacks the universe, and he says, well, is there something that will separate us from God's love? Nothing. Nothing. There isn't a thing that you can bring to my attention that will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There was a man, and he was uh, put into a dungeon, and he was about to be killed. Remarkable thing about this man is that though he knew he was about to die, he wasn't worried about it. In fact, he wrote a letter at that time to some friends of his, and uh, this is what he said. His name was Paul, by the way. Philippians chapter 4. Don't worry about anything. He's in prison, ready to be killed. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. There was a man who learned this in a very unusual way. Uh, He was a contractor. He ran a construction company. He was a Christian man. But his, uh, as often happens in construction, you have highs and lows. And uh, you've got days when you've got so much work you can't keep up with it. And you've got days when you can barely make ends meet. Some of you who have been a part of construction understand that. Or if you've run your own business, you understand that. That sometimes you've got a surplus and sometimes you can barely scrape by. Well, he was in the barely scrape by category at this time. And uh, he was struggling to make ends meet, and it really was almost too much to bear. The man um, was very concerned, very worried, and uh, troubled about how he was going to pay his employees, how he was going to pay his, uh, the trades and everything else like that. And it bothered him so much that he would wake up in a cold sweat at night, and he would get up and he would pace the floor just worrying about how he was going to make ends meet. One morning he... Um, He got up, and as was his practice, he took out his Bible, and he had a daily quiet time, and he turned to Matthew chapter 6. We could turn there, if you like, Matthew chapter 6, and he had a little devotional book that he would read alongside of the the Bible each morning. But this was the passage he came to this particular day, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? That was the end of his reading for the day. And as he opened up his devotional book, his gu- the guidebook said that it spoke about God and his care for birds. And it said, 
God cares so much for birds that even if a single sparrow, and the Bible actually says this, falls to the ground and dies, God attends that funeral. How many funerals have you attended of sparrows? God is aware and God cares. And then the verse at the end of the section said uh, from 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And he thought about this verse and he thought about the passage of scripture and he, he remembered that just a few days earlier they were on a job site of a new construction project and they had to cut down some trees. But he noticed there was a bird's nest in one of the trees and there were little baby birds there. And so he marked the tree not to cut it and they cut all the trees around it, but this was the last tree, and it was now in the way of the job being completed, or starting, really. They were just going to have to dig up the ground for the foundation. And he, uh, he um, thought, well, I've got, that tree stands in the way, and I've got to take it out. And so he went to the job site that morning after this devotional, and he got in one of those bucket trucks, you know, like the cherry pickers, that you're in a basket, and it goes up to the tree limbs, he wanted just to see how the birds were doing. And he noticed they were all gone. So in the weeks that had gone by since he had marked the tree, the birds had learned to fly and they were gone. And so while he was up there, he took the nest out of the tree branches and he brought it down with him and he uh, took it to his truck. And you know birds, they use all kinds of materials for um, nests, twigs and, and uh, little pieces of string and all that kind of stuff. And he noticed a piece of paper in the nest, as part of the nest. And uh, he took it out, and it was just kind of a little ragtag, little piece of paper. But the fragment, on the fragment of paper were these words, God cares for you. And he realized that God was using that bird nest to reinforce the message he had just read this morning, casting all your care upon him, for God cares for you. Well, the man... Uh, successfully completed the job and did fine and the financial woes you know soon passed and he learned a lesson that day that he prays more worries less and he has the bird's nest in his office now as a reminder that God cares for him pray second point don't quit somebody uh had a, an, an acronym, it's P-U-S-H, PUSH, when it comes to pray. PUSH. Stand, it stood for pray until something happens. Okay? It's good. I like it. Pray until something happens. The point of the parable is to pray and keep on praying. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught this when he said in Matthew 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock, and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Are you asking him for those good gifts? Pray and keep praying. You know, there are many good examples in the Scripture of people who were in distress, who, who were in need, and they cried out to the Lord. And many of them were persistent. I think, for example, of David. It says in the Psalm, Psalm 55, 
um, that he prayed morning, and then he prayed at noon, and then he prayed in the evening. He prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Lord heard his prayer. You remember the story of Hannah? A woman who loved the Lord. The one thing that she wanted more than anything else was to have a child. And the Lord didn't give her a child, at least not at first. And so she prayed. She appealed to the only one that she could appeal to. And she appealed to the Lord. And she prayed. And she was persistent in her prayers. And the Lord blessed her, not only with a child, but one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. Uh, Samuel um, was his name. Elijah. Remember the stories of Elijah? I'm actually just going through this in my own quiet time right now. And it's amazing to me to see a man. And it says in the New Testament, we often read about the prophets and we often read about great men and women of faith in the Old Testament. We go, oh yeah, but they were just saints. They were great, great people. We're called saints too, by the way, believers. And it says an interesting thing in James. It says about Elijah that he's a man just like you. He's no different than you are. He was flesh and blood like we are. And the Lord heard him and answered his prayer. And in fact, it says there was a time of terrible uh, trouble in Israel. And he was trying to get the attention of the king and the, the wicked king and queen who were reigning at the time. And, uh, and so he prayed, Lord, stop the rain. When was the last time you asked the Lord to stop the rain? And for three and a half years, there was no rain. There was a drought. He was affected by it too. And then it says that he prayed again. And the Lord caused it to rain. Can we do that? According to your faith, be it unto you. Daniel was another man who was persistent in prayer three times a day. It ended him up, he ended up being in the lion's den as a result of it. He prayed, and the Lord delivered him out of the lion's den too. Remember that woman in the New Testament? She was a Canaanite woman. She had a sick daughter. She was, uh, the daughter was demon-possessed. And uh, she came to the Lord one day and said, Lord, heal my daughter. She appealed to the Lord, the only one who could heal her daughter. Lord, heal my daughter. And he kind of rebuffed her, sort of. He said, look, I came to the children of Israel. And should I give the food from the children's plates to you? And she says, Lord... She, she said, actually, she said it, he said it worse than that. He said, should I give the children's food to dogs? That's what he called her. Ouch. And she had persistent faith. And she rose to the occasion and she says, yes, Lord, but even the puppies eat the crumbs that fall from the children's plates. And he goes, wow, I have not seen faith like that, not even in all of Israel. And he granted her her request. She was persistent in her request before the Lord and the Lord heard her. Was the Lord being mean? No. He was, he was just giving her an opportunity to rise to the occasion of faith, believing him. There's a story about George Mueller. Uh, George Mueller was a great man of faith, had prayed thousands and thousands of prayer, and the Lord answered. Uh, he ended up with an orphanage of over 2,000 children, and he fed them daily food and gave them clothing and a house and all the rest of it, uh, solely dependent upon God, uh, praying to the Lord in faith, believing that God would supply. He had no means of support himself, and he just simply asked the Lord, and the Lord opened the windows of heaven and poured out blessing over and over again. Well, George Mueller uh, was asked one time about prayer, and he said this, The great point is never to give up until the answer comes. Never give up. 
I have been praying for 63 years and eight months for one man's conversion, he said. He's not saved yet, not at the time that uh, he was asked this question. But he will be. How can he be otherwise, George said. I'm praying for him. Believing prayer. George Mueller died, um, and the man still wasn't saved. They uh, took George Mueller out to the graveyard to bury him. And as they were lowering the casket into the grave, the man that he had been praying for for 63 years and eight months came to know the Lord right there on the spot. He believed the Lord and was saved that very day. He repented of his sins and trusted Jesus as his Savior. That is persistent praying. Some of you have been praying for the salvation of family members, a husband, a wife, children, grandchildren, other family members are praying. Do you believe God hears your prayers? Then pray until something happens. You need a job? You need some a better job or funds for schooling or for business or to get yourself out of debt? Do you believe God cares? Then pray until something happens. You may be suffering for righteousness or for a righteous stand that you've taken. We have an adversary. The Bible tells us that. He is the devil. That's what the Bible says. Listen to what Peter says about this. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know, in our 30 years of existence here at Calvary Bible Chapel, we have seen people healed. We have seen people restored to the Lord. We have seen relationships brought back together again. We have seen the Lord provide jobs for people who needed work. We have seen uh, food and clothing, uh, a, a new building, the sale of a chicken farm. We have seen it all and so much more. Are there, there are still so many things to pray for. Do you think God cares? then pray until something happens. Finally, when you pray, don't doubt. Don't doubt. The Bible says this about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus answered his disciples uh, one day and he said this, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it shall be done for them. Uh, it says, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, however, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. James chapter 5, verse 16 says this, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Lord said in Luke 18, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Do we have faith to believe that God will answer our prayers? I think one of the things that um, uh, troubles us is when we don't see God answer prayer immediately. You know, we live in an instant society. Uh, instant soup, instant pudding, 
instant potatoes, you turn on a flip, flip a switch and you got instant light, you got instant everything in uh, our society. And we kind of come to God sometimes that way, and uh, yet we don't always see our prayers answered with a flip of a switch, do we? And yet the Lord says here that He will answer us speedily. What gives? What gives? Well, there was a verse that really encouraged me this week as I thought about this, and it has to do with a man who prayed, and he did not see the answer to prayer, uh, and it was a serious request, but he didn't see the answer to prayer right away, and yet the scripture tells us that God did answer the prayer immediately. His name was Daniel, and in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, it says this, Then he said to me, this is an angel that is speaking to Daniel, and he said to Daniel, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. So when Daniel prayed on his knees in his room three times a day, that very day, his prayer was heard in heaven. It's instant. You talk about instant messaging, we've got it with God, okay? No appointment necessary. He got it instantly. God heard. And God answered his prayer that very day. And yet, yet Daniel, was, this was now 21 days later, three weeks later, and Daniel still hadn't seen the answer to his prayer. And so God sent out one of his angels. That's clearly what it says here. He sent out one of his angels to answer Daniel's prayer. But something happened. His angel didn't go on holiday. His angel didn't have something else to do. His angel went right towards answering the prayer. But a demon interfered. Okay, And so what this tells us is that when we pray, there's actually a spiritual battle that is taking place. And so this angel that went out to answer Daniel's prayer on behalf of the Lord was interfered by another. So let me read it. He says, Your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's an angelic demon, I mean it's a demonic being, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So you have to understand who Michael is. Michael, in this particular case, is an archangel. He is an angel, a powerful angel. And so this angel who is now in a battle with a demon uh, calls for help. And God sends Michael, one of the most powerful angels that exists. And it says, um, he came to help me. For if I had been left there alone with the kings of, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Again, he's talking about angelic beings, not real kings. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days to come. So now he got to Daniel, and he was giving him his answer. But Daniel prayed for 21 days. But his prayer was really answered the first day. It's just that there was a spiritual battle that takes place. And I want you to understand that, believers, that when we pray and we don't see the, flip, the switch flipped instantly, we're in a spiritual battle. And it requires faith on our part to continue on and to be persistent and keep praying and praying and praying. And the Lord will answer. In the beginning, um, 
as the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, Jim Simbala, he, was a, he is a pastor of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle in um, Brooklyn, New York. He found himself very discouraged day after day. He really didn't feel adequate as a preacher. He actually came to the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, originally just to kind of help out for four weeks. And after he preached each week, after each of the four weeks, he came down from the pulpit and he would go home to his wife and he goes, man, I'm glad God's not calling me there. Because <laughs> he said, I, I, it, it just, it's such a mess. I just, I, I don't think I could work there. Well, God was calling him to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. He just didn't know it yet. And um, he said, he felt like his congregation as he was preaching there those Sundays was getting cheated by him because his preaching really wasn't all that good. Uh, in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, Jim says this, the embarrassing truth is that sometimes I didn't want to show up for my own service. That's how bad it was. But Jim knew that the church desperately needed a visitation from the Holy Spirit. And one day in a spirit of brokenness and exhausted in body and mind, he called out to God and he said this, Lord, I have no idea how to be a successful pastor. All I know is that Carol and I are in, working in the middle of New York City with people dying on every side, overdosing from heroin, consumed by materialism and all the rest. If the gospel is so powerful, and he couldn't finish the sentence because tears welled up in his heart and his, in his um, and throat and choked him out. Lord, if the gospel is so powerful... And he quietly but forcefully, in words not heard with his ear, but deep in his heart, he heard the Lord speaking to him. And this is what he said, If you and your wife will lead my people to pray and call upon my name, you will never lack anything, or you'll never lack for something fresh to preach. I will supply all the money that's needed, both for the church and for your family, and you will never have a building large enough to contain the crowds I will send in response. And the crowds have come. If you know the history and the story of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, it's an incredible work. Uh, they have a 24-hour prayer team that have been praying for years now, praying constantly for the needs not only of the body there, but for needs around the world. And if you were to listen to Jim preach, you'd say, not much there. I mean, I, this is what he would say of himself, not much there. But the force isn't in what he says. The force is in the prayer behind what he says and, be, and, the, and the people that are praying for him and for the work there in the church. And I want to say to you as believers here, go back in time, go back in your thinking to what took place in Solomon's day. At the dedication of the temple, Solomon offered sacrifices to the Lord, and he prayed to the Lord, and he prayed for God's intervention. And then he stopped his prayer, and the Lord didn't answer that very second. But then it says in 2 Chronicles 7, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. And have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. You see the key there? If my people will humble themselves, seek my face, pray, then I will hear. That's really what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 18. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wide open checkbook. It's not about money. Lord, it's about you writing out blessings for us that we cannot even contain. Lord, you talk about opening the windows of heaven and pouring out for us a blessing that we cannot contain. And Lord, we seek that. We seek your face. And Lord, we want to come humbly before you and ask you to forgive us, Lord, for any doubts, any worrying, any tribulation that we go through in, in uh, not coming to you. Lord, forgive us for thinking of you like uh, an unjust judge or someone who's unfair or not listening or not caring. For, Lord, none of that is true with regard to you. Lord, we want to cast our care upon you, for you do care for us. We want to thank you for the fact that every good and every perfect gift comes from you. You are a good God. And Lord, we just pray that we might be prayer warriors, people who cast care upon you, people who come to you in times of need, people who come to you in times of great rejoicing, praying to you and praising you for what you are about to do and what you have done. Lord, we pray that you would hear the prayers offered from our hearts, from our lips, and in this place. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.